Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations, where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them to track their taps and menu at roasthousepub.com, or download the digital pour app to track what's on tap. This is episode 106, and I'm your host, Chris Sands. This week, we're going to learn about uh, a beverage that I know not a single thing about, um... So we're joined today by Taka Amano, the co-founder and CEO of the American Soch- Shochu Company. Yep. Did yep. I pronounce all that correctly? Yep. Shochu. Yep. Um, so I think, actually, first, let, let's learn your background first. All right. Uh, what so did, what did you, what were you doing? Where, where did, did it come yeah. from? Yeah, yeah. yeah all, so all of the above. Let's all of the above. Well, without going too far back, I grew up in Japan and the United States and uh, Malaysia for the first 20 years of my life. It was kind of half Japan, half overseas. Um, Five years in New York, two year and a half in LA, uh, and the balance in uh, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Military parents? No, actually my dad was in uh, international trade. So, and and I ended up at uh, Carolina, UNC Chapel Hill, and uh, met my wife there. And, for most of my career, I've been doing work bridging the Japanese and U.S. cultures in business. Uh, did a lot of traveling. The last 10 out of the last 11 years, I was flying to Japan every month for a week and a half to two weeks. That sounds like the end part of it would be enjoyable, but the, uh-huh. <laughs> the constant flights were probably quite miserable. You know, I, I got really used to it. It was... Uh, as a matter of fact, I go into uh, Dulles Airport to the you know the ANA um, ticket counter, and if I would miss it, one time, I skipped a month. I, I I didn't go in August. I come back in September, and the lady behind the counter goes, "Amano-san, it's been a while." I said, "It's been a month." <laughs> <laughs> you must have an impressive amount of airline miles. Yeah, too. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. Yeah. But so, what, what was I doing over there? I was uh, running companies um, f- on behalf of U.S. clients, uh, mostly to sell their products in Japan. And so, this is mostly biotech, you know, research reagents and that kind of thing, things that we make in Maryland and elsewhere over here on the East Coast. Um, I would set up companies in Japan and uh, for them, and then I typically get tapped to be the president of the local subsidiary. So, I'd be the president and representative the director over there. What was I doing for a week and a half and two weeks? I'm traveling all over Japan, interacting with uh, distributors, right? So these are old school, um, regional, like, you know, family-owned companies. Some of them really big, $500 million companies, but they all started as family-owned companies. Um, and I'm building relationships with them. Sometimes we weren't sure what kind of business I was in. You know, was, I, these are dealers that I'm working with, and they're all in black suits and slick back hair. And <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so a lot of traveling, a lot of uh, taking meetings, a lot of dinner meetings, a lot of drinking, right? And my go-to drink was shochu, which is how we get back to this. So, so were you kind of like the um, hired? You w- worked with those companies as. The representative that knows the culture right, and knows exactly. how not to be an American and offend everyone while you were there by right. our, it our typical ways way. of dealing. Right. With. It started out that way where I, I, I taught a seminar on how to work with the Japanese. But eventually what uh, ended up happening was they decided that it was just as easy to hire me to do that job for them. And so I would run the uh, 
Japanese subsidiary as their president. Is it very is is it very different to deal with businessmen <laughs> or to do business in Japan as opposed to here? So to, like, that's a very interesting question, and it's relevant to what I'm doing now, right? Because um, in some ways, business is business, and good business practice is good business practice. Now, of course, there, there are cultural issues um, and uh, different things that are motivating to different people and different things that you know are uh, you know, the different things that trigger behavior and, and uh, things that you need to know and things that would really screw you up if you didn't know. Um, but, yeah, uh, so one of the things about this is I r really learned how to work with distributors. And distributors are, you know, in the United States, what businesses have distributors? Um, car dealerships and uh, liquor, right? Or use distributors. Yeah. And people in both industries, or, you know, consumers and people in the, both industries, they really hate those dealerships, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but the truth is, my success in Japan, you know, so I would, I, uh, one of my uh, major clients, I doubled their business from, uh, it was a mid-seven-figure U.S. dollar company and made it into a mid-eight-figure U.S. company. Oh, wow. Right? Um, and uh, how did I do that? I didn't do it just by myself or just with my staff. I did it because I had strong relationships with these dealerships, distributorships, right? Um, and so it's something that is very close to my heart, how to work with uh, – so in in the liquor business, we would call them uh, distributors, right? Um, so how to work effectively with them and uh, partner with uh, that business partner is kind of what I've done for most of my career, yeah. just, just in a slightly different uh, yeah. area. So was it like um, test type equipment or like lab equipment? It's mostly – so research reagents, so things like antibodies. Okay. They come in little vials. I mean, seriously, we look like drug dealers, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's. Uh, Hopefully, you didn't have to carry those yourself. No, through, no, no. I no. Imagine we we, we make, did logistics. Yeah, <laughs> that would make uh, I imagine make going through customs quite difficult. Although it's funny, part of what I do here, there's a uh, biological element that for the early part of what we were doing when we were doing this experimentally, I was hand, you know, because I was there in Japan every month, mm -hmm. right? So I would hand carry um, bags of spores <laughs> through the airport um, uh, with, uh, you know, I'd have to register these with the USDA. and So is that what um, performs the the fermentation? Right, is right. It? Well, so, so, you know, jumping yeah. right oh, into yeah, it, that's right? Like, so, well, let's, let's, yeah, let's yeah. finish the, All right. <laughs> the, the history first, and then yeah. we'll go into exactly what shochu is. Right, right. So, um, so in any case, uh, through that business, we'll, uh, shochu was my go-to drink in Japan. You know, I'm a, I'm a bourbon drinker here, but when I'm in Japan, I drink shochu on the rocks. And uh, sometimes I miss my shochu when I'm here. You can't get it anywhere. Well, you can, but you can, it's very expensive. Um, all the product that is in the United States is imported and started sniffing around, wondered, and, and nobody knows about it. Right? So one uh, started sniffing around, you know, what, what's going on there and uh, decided yeah, that there was a market for it. I think it was... Um I'm pretty sure it was the uh, Braden and Tyler from McClintock that uh -huh. first told me about you yeah, and yeah. what you were making. And yeah. like, that was the first time I ever even heard the word shochu. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, uh, Braden and Tyler are great. And, uh, you know, people in the industry um, oftentimes have heard about, so there's a piece of the process that uses something called koji. 
and uh, people in the distilling industry and the brewing uh, area, you know, they, they use koji and sake. I think that's usually how people know about this. Um, th people tend to know that there's something like that out there and are interested, and it's part of the fermentation process. But beyond that, I think it's mostly a mystery. So was this born mainly from you just wanting to be able to get shochu when you were back in well, the U.S., was, or you just saw a, you know what, an extreme that, business that, opportunity that no that, one was making it? That was a trigger. But yeah. uh, really, we've been talking about doing this for, gosh, at this point, almost 20 years. Um, about, so maybe not, not quite 20 years ago, um, there was a huge shochu boom in Japan. It used to be, shochu used to be the kind of product, uh, I, I like to compare it to tequila. So when, when, when I was young, tequila came in silver and gold, and they were both kind of nasty, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, and how did you drink tequila? You know, you did shots and you did the, right? Made a face. Right. And <laughs> Why? Because tequila was not a sipping drink. Yeah. Right? But then, um, uh, uh, you know, Margaritaville came along. You know, Jimmy Buffett came along. And people started drinking margaritas and tequila sunrises, and it got, you know, relatively popular. And then Mexican restaurants and margaritas, and it kind of took off. Um, and then they started making high-quality tequilas. And so now you can go to a tequila bar, and there's 80, 80 you know, high-level uh, brand uh, tequilas, $40, $80, $120 a bottle. Shochu did the same thing, a very similar thing. So it is traditionally a blue-collar, um, you know, People drank shochu because it was cheaper than sake. And, you know, sake is made from rice, and it is kind of a um, high-class royal thing. Okay. Uh, traditionally, right? And good sake is very expensive. And, and so uh, the poor man, you know, the working class, would drink shochu because you can make shochu from the leftover from, dis or from uh, pressing sake. You can take uh, so that. It's almost like a second wash mm -hmm. when you, and you can do a high-gravity beer and do right, a second. Right, right, right. Ah. And, then, and you can distill, right? That, that's how shochu first started. And you can make shochu from not just rice. You can make it from different uh, grains. So traditionally, uh, it, 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 they started making it with sweet potatoes because in Kyushu, in the southern part of Japan, where all, almost all shochu uh, originates, um, it, it's kind of uh, outside of the central government area and so they're poorer and even the uh lords you know the feudal lords were not as rich as the central feudal lords and so they would they figured out that they could make alcohol with the local crop which is sweet potatoes wow so, uh, completely unrelated to shochu yeah um but i actually learned recently one of our reporters was in um eastern european areas and uh, i wish i could remember it remember which country it was, but it was a former Soviet bloc right, right. country. And they made beer from potatoes, potatoes. And, <laughs> and beans and anything they could right, get because right. during the fall of the Soviet Union, they didn't have access to any barley. Right, so right. They, they just fermented whatever they could find. Right, and yeah. So, so um, people always find a way to make alcohol. Right. Officially in Japan, according to Japanese liquor law, there's 42 starches that you can make shochu from. But I'd say 90, 95% of shochu is made from either uh, sweet potato, barley, or rice, and mostly sweet potato and barley. Yeah. The, is there um, a definition in America for what it, what it has to be? Yeah, so in, under the TTB classifications, there's 42 uh, classes, categories. 
Um, so we're number 42, other. <laughs> well, that, that's kind of good. You right. almost have free reign to just... Well, yeah, yeah. As we move along and, and as we increase volume, I think we'll be having some nice conversations with the TTB. Well, yeah, because in, in a way, you you do want those guidelines. Well, Because yeah. they can be restrictive, but it it is helpful, like... With different types of whiskeys and bourbons, uh -huh. that there uh -huh. there is a definition of how that's made and what it's made from, so you know what you're getting. That right, way. right. And someone doesn't come out and just throw together something, calling it shochu, and right, then right. ruins yeah. the reputation it'll of be, it for you. It'll be really interesting because uh, in Japan, shochu has very strict classifications, a lot like bourbon here, right? Bourbon has very specific things that make it bourbon. Um, and, of course, we don't have any of those restrictions here in the United States. So we're the only shochu distiller in North America. As far as I know, there's one outfit out in Hawaii called the, uh, the Hawaiian Shochu Company. Um, they make shochu from Hawaiian sweet potatoes. And I, from what I gather, they're a very, uh, they have a loyal following, um, but it's kind of very local. I, I think they're in Oahu, and they do a big batch once a year and people know about it and then they come from all over to okay, buy so it it's there. not like a large not lo I, I don't widely think they're shipping over here or anything like that um very very i'm fascinated I, I haven't met the guy i haven't talked to him but uh he's a japanese uh they're, they're a japanese couple who uh, went to hawaii and started making this so are there a lot of distilleries in japan that make yeah, shochu yeah. or is there, it a... there, there's hundreds okay. in japan yeah yeah and uh so Shochu, they sell more shochu than sake in Japan the last 10 years. Um, and that, that happened because of this boom that I'm talking about. So, so suddenly what happened was the Japanese, you know, previously it was a hardcore, you know, put you on your ass. So you're going to uh, um, drink it straight or on the rocks kind of uh, drink, you know, like, like a vodka or bourbon if you're a yeah, hardcore like person, right? You're a blue collar, right. had a rough day, exactly. whatever That's exact. manual labor job you were doing. And yep, yep. But then about a little over 10 years ago, they, they discovered that people liked shochu in cocktails. So they started mixing it with uh, sodas. So they call shochu cocktails in Japan chuhai. Chuhai, that's shochu highball, right? Okay. So chuhai. So it's a highball. It's mixed with sodas. Or in Japan, it's not just soda. It could be a tea. It could be a juice, uh, some combination thereof. They do all sorts of different flavors if you go to restaurants in Japan. Um, but they call all these chuhai. So, you know, green tea and uh, shochu is a, is a big thing. Um, oolong tea. But uh, the standard chuhai um, in Japan is a lemon-lime soda chuhai. If you're going to be fancy about it, you take a Collins glass, you put ice in it, you put a shot of chochu in it, and then you top it off at club soda, squeeze some lemon wedges in it. So that's what that, a sake that, that, drinker would do. Well, so that, 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 that's at a <laughs> yeah. nice restaurant. Yeah. Everywhere else, they'll put, put some Sprite in it for you. <laughs> so has that, um, that renaissance or the boom of it, has that raised the price of sochu to the point where it's, it, it isn't quite the working class right. drink so, so now? It or? went both directions. The volume went up. It went up so much that they ran out of sweet potatoes at one point. And <laughs> oh, so, so my history is I was in North Carolina when this was going on, and the number one crop, agricultural crop in North Carolina is sweet potatoes. <laughs> and I'm hearing that sweet, they ran out of sweet potatoes in Japan, and I'm looking at the sweet potatoes in North I can Carolina. find a bunch of those yeah, for Yeah, <laughs> I think I can do so. And, and you know, by the time I got around to it, they had grown more sweet okay. potatoes. And <laughs> but that 
was the germ of the idea, right? Um, but uh, so when when they went um, major volume, uh, they they started selling tons and tons of Zhuhai. And uh, you know that, that that's how the market kind of took off. But Zhuhai, it, it's a mix, right? So it doesn't require very high quality shochu. Okay. Uh, for the most part, if you make it with high quality shochu, it makes for a better drink, just like any other cocktail. Yeah. So just uh, like a vodka, you're right. not gonna, like a rail vodka. Right. You can right. make a drink that tastes right. okay with You can okay make a screwdriver with the rail vodka, but you're not gonna want to sip on. Right. But if you make you know a screwdriver, well, you wouldn't make a screwdriver. But if you make a cosmopolitan with you know crystal head vodka, that's a nicer drink than making it with you know a rail vodka. Okay. Right? So there's that kind of thing going on first of all, and then. Just kind of like the Margaritas in a Ville story, the shochu manufacturers discovered that there was a market for it. So they started putting out higher quality versions. And famously, there's something called the three M's in Japan of shochu. So it's, uh, okay, let's see if I can come up with them. There's Morizo and, uh, you know, Murao. So there's three M uh, name shochus that somebody figured out that if you put a high price on it, it'll sell better. <laughs> and so these things were selling for like $100 a bottle, um, limited quantity. So whenever uh, some liquor store got it, they would pay tons of money for uh, the limited ones that there was. They did that for a little while. People caught on that. There wasn't anything special about exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. I've had <laughs> these. I've had uh, several of them. And I actually don't like them as much because they were marketed to the kind of middle level crowd. They weren't. It, this stuff is not branded for real drinkers. Okay. So they're actually relatively boring and easy to drink, um, whereas there's uh, some... So, so you know, my my, vo- my bourbon of choice is Booker's, right? So if you think about somebody who drinks Booker's versus somebody who drinks Four Roses, they're very different palates. Um, this is more on the Four Roses side, that they were pricing it very high, so it was all artificial marketing that they were okay. doing. Um, in general, shochu is uh, relatively inexpensive in Japan. Even now, even even the wide varieties. Okay, so yeah. even though it's, yeah. there, well, it's probably like there's enough new distilleries that open starting making it that pro- helped even out the supply. Well, I'm you know, or? it's it's real curious. So the Japanese market, the Japanese market's a different market from the U.S. market. It's very trendy, and so right now, what they're selling in Japan is Jack Daniels. Because huh. somebody decided that they could That's market Jack good. Daniels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, of course, there's the whole uh, um, Suntory bought out Beam. So Suntory Beam is making a big play. Uh, but what are they making a play with? Are they making it with Suntory whiskey? Or are they trying to sell Jim Beam in Japan? Or are they doing something else? It's all kind of very interesting. Um, so is is there any kind of aging aspect with Sochu yeah, ever? Is yeah, it... good question. So... Um, you know, and maybe we should do the tasting before we have the aging discussion. Okay, yeah. So first, let's <laughs> actually, we'll take a quick break and um, thank our amazing sponsor, Roast House Pub, for allowing this to keep going. Um, and then when we come back, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll start with the tasting. And then you can teach yeah. us how to make or tell us about how to make sochu and right. the differences and the, the aging process. Cool. A huge thank you to our presenting sponsor, Roast House Pub, which is located at 5700 Urbana Pike in Frederick, Maryland. If you have listened to this podcast before, you have definitely heard me go on and on about the beer dinners that Chef Nico creates. Simply put, they are amazing. 
but Roast House Pub has much more to offer. Their friendly staff is knowledgeable about beer and will help you choose from among the 20 beers they have on tap. In addition to the awesome beer selection, the food is always amazing. Make sure to follow them on Facebook and check their website at www.roasthousepub.com to keep up to date on their constant stream of events. All right, so once again, thank you to everyone at the Roast House Pub for um, your continued support. And they actually are one of the places in Frederick that you can uh, go and uh, try some uh, shochu. My shochu, yep. So, yeah, absolutely, please. Uh, You know, the bartenders in town are having a blast with our shochu. Um, And, you know, we'll we'll do a little tasting in a moment, and you'll see for yourself about the... uh, the, the character of the spirit, but it's a very mixable, right, uh, um, versatile spirit. And so the um, bartenders have a lot of fun with uh, coming up with new things. And it's a new spirit, right? It's something new to introduce to the market. Which people are always chasing after. Right, right, right. Yeah, so let's try. All right. And then... So so let me tell you um, how this worked. So, so actually, I was just at the Frederick Fair. Uh, and, you know, eight days at the Frederick yeah. Fair, the uh, the beer, wine, and spirits craft uh, group had a building there, um, homegrown Frederick, and so I had a table there. And as you might imagine, so it was one of two places that you can get alcohol at the fair. Yeah, as you can imagine, most people come in and they t- they made a beeline for Flying Dog, <laughs> which yeah. was in the back. And so I'd see people walking by, and I'd I call and I say, "You got to try my shochu." The almost everybody to the person would go, "What is it?" <laughs> or I don't know what that is. And I'd say, well, it's the other Japanese national spirit. You know, it's the Natsake. <laughs> and I would get... I mean, uh, that could be your tagline. Right, not the sake. Natsake, yeah. <laughs> and uh, people would say, well, I don't like sake. Or they'd say, oh, I like sake. And I'd say, well, either way, it's not sake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and, and I tell them, what, we make it right here in Frederick. We're the only shochu distillery in North America. And uh, they actually sell more shochu than sake because they discovered that they like it in cocktails. Shochu cocktails are called chuhai, shochu highballs. So it's a highball. It has soda in it. And I uh, say, well, so I've got these mixed. So uh, I'd like to try one. This is a chuhai. Let's try Yep. So that is mixed with uh, Sprite, lemon lime soda. Is really good. Um, so, how strong is the so soju taste in this? So, the- that is mixed to be a six percent alcohol drink. You know, much like a normal, uh, you know, kind of a craft beer, stronger beer. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, because you could easily drink that all day. And right. Well, not all day, but. <laughs> You, you could have plenty of them without feeling like you're drinking anything other than just a, a delicious beverage. Right, right. So so I'll, I'll tell you, I'd say 95% of the people, they gave me one of three responses. Wow, that's smooth, right? Or, or you know, that's good. Or um, that tastes like water. <laughs> <laughs> to which I'd say it's a 6% alcohol drink that I just mixed you. I'm trying to figure out what the flavor I'm tasting is, but I, I yeah 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 I, I get that reaction too. It's very interesting. And then the third reaction is 
uh, that's dangerous. <laughs> and that, <laughs> which, that is actually is a very true reaction, right? Which is exactly the uh, reaction that you're looking for yeah. uh, when you're introducing a new spirit like this. And you know, we're we're looking for the the millennial crowd, right? Something new to introduce to people. Uh, in Japan, if you go to a restaurant, um, you'll you know, an izakaya restaurant or just kind of a regular family restaurant, people are always drinking either beer, which in Japan is a lager. It's kirin, sapporo, right, asahi. Um, or they're drinking chuhais. Is uh, craft beer a thing at all in Japan? So or is it... I've had, you know, because I'm, I'm a craft beer kind of guy, I've had craft beers in Japan. My opinion, they haven't quite figured it out. Okay. Um, and the volumes are very low in any case. So it doesn't seem very stable to me. Um, there are places where you can get craft beers. There's places that you can get Belgian beers. Those are a little better, but you know those are all bottled. So, yeah, yeah it's not so. But they're much... not made. There aren't like a craft brewery on every corner no, in Japan. Like... No, no, and and uh, lower alcohol drinks tend to be more common. Actually, okay. um, the the hip, you know, straight whiskey, heavier drinking that happens on at the third location after you go from the. Uh, restaurant to the bar to the third location <laughs> um but so yeah that'd uh, be a good name for a bar third location yeah <laughs> <laughs> so let me uh, give you another one of these so this is actually my wife's favorite so shochu goes really well with tonic so that's shochu with tonic it's got a little bit of lavender in it and i'll, I'll put in a plug for my friends here this is lavender bitters from embitterment have you had them? Have you I talked to them? I don't think. Eric Koslick? So they're down in D.C. They make a fantastic product. This is an organic. They make organic bitters. I feel like they may have been at the Frederick Spirits Festival. I, I, I'm not, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I didn't make it to that this year, but there were, I think there, that they were. Yeah, there were two. There was Element, uh, Element uh, Shrub, shrub. Yep. And, yep. Um, and I think it was them. Yeah, I, I bet. I bet. So, so Eric's got a podcast, actually, and I, okay. I've been on Eric's podcast. But um, this is their lavender, and it has been a hit for us. People, so at, yeah, the, at the good. fair, right? At the fair, uh, people ask us, well, what do you like? And my, my wife was helping me. You know, she's actually majority owner of the company, so she was uh, helping out in the booth. And she'd say, well, you know, my favorite is the shochu and tonic with the, with the lavender bitters. Absolutely, you got to try that. So that's what yeah. that is. So, you know, th those are some of the uh, typical things that we would offer. Um, since we're doing tastings, let me... Yeah, I want to see what it tastes like straight. Right, exactly. Because I, ca I can't discern, like, uh, what what of the tastes are coming from the other ingredients as opposed to the shochu. So ours and most typical uh, shochu and soju in the United States is bottled at 24%. I mean, just like that, it's very sippable. Right. And it... There's like maybe just a tiny little burn at right, the very right. end, but it, it, um, if you're a drinker, you know, if you are someone who'll do a straight or a bourbon on the rocks, uh, this is a really nice drink. And I, I tell people, I, I did it at the fair, right? People would do this. You know, people who aren't straight liquor drinkers, they go, "Oh, it's straight liquor," but that's just because it's straight liquor. Yeah. Um, but uh, otherwise, you taste this, and uh, yeah. I, so I, this wouldn't be considered a neutral spirit, right? Or would it? Mm, it I mean, it's not like an Everclear or yeah, something like that. It's single distilled, much okay. like a whiskey, right? Unlike a vodka or an Everclear where they, you know, multiple Mul distill yeah. um, to get the flavor out of it. We're, we would show you you're single distilling and you're retaining the flavor of the base grain. 
Man, I still can't. I can't identify what the flavor that I pick up a lot is, but it's good. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I just wish I had a like. I, I wish I had any ability to describe to describe <laughs> flavors. So next week, um, the Maryland Distilling Guild is holding a, a nosing event. They have a consultant coming in. Uh, come up with their name right now but uh very pretty famous in the industry okay um yeah i saw tasting the, the faults and, we, we right? belong to the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we just we, we actually belong to all three but so i get all the this right, guild right. Members so, so i'm gonna be at that and okay. you know after after tuesday i'll be able to give you more technical <laughs> <laughs> description of what it is that's going on but uh so what is the um so let's talk about how it's made right is, what are the differences between this as opposed to other normal, not normal, but yeah, yeah, other yeah. spirits that right. Americans would Everybody be more else. accustomed yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just to go back to okay. the tasting there for a second, um, at the fair, when people would ask for it straight and they would drink it straight, and typically I'd watch them and you know they would get the uh, kind of a little surprised look on their face, and I'd say, you know, I'd, I'd like, so it doesn't burn, right? Or it doesn't bite. Yeah, not at all. Right. I mean, I had a tiny little right, bit. Right. So because if that was a vodka, it would bite and it would burn. Right. Um, and this, it, there's something about the shochu that doesn't do that. It's ultra smooth. You asked earlier about aging. Right. And so we'll start from the back forward. But uh, would you believe that that is aged three months? Oh, really? Yeah. In w- glass w- right okay. now. I'm, yeah. I'm aging in glass jugs right now. Um, so really, it's just, we're just letting it settle, yeah. let some of the esters and some of the uh, gases uh, release. But that's really it. It comes. It basically comes off the still smooth. Wow. So what's in this glass? Is this just that was that's leftover? You want it? Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that, that, so that's the tonic. The, yeah. Okay, tonic. Yeah. yeah. Um. So uh, and and why does it do that's that? That's good. That that. <laughs> that uh, so shochu has four ingredients in it. Our shochu has organic barley, uh, filtered water, uh, yeast, and koji. So what's koji? Koji is Aspergillus uh, lucensis. Aspergillus, for the scientists uh, in the audience, is a is, it's the general name for mold. Right? Um, Aspergillus uh, orizae, yellow koji, is what they use for sake. They make uh, it, it's the key ingredient in sake, and also in things like miso, uh, soy sauce. Those are all made with Aspergillus orizae. Shochu is made with Aspergillus lucensis. Um, and so when I first started this process, and you know it's a TTB regulated thing, you can't do anything without getting the license first, right? You can't try to make yeah. alcohol, uh, you know, distilled spirits. So we had to go through all of this, and I went to them and said, I, I'm going to need to import some Aspergillus uh, lucensis, and they said, you can't do that. I said, why not? I said, it's not in our database. We don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I went back to my friends in Japan. I, I, I'm friends with the chairman of the Japan Brewing Society and uh, discussed this with him and the scientific staff, and they sent over a bunch of papers, and they're, they're, they're getting it reclassified as Aspergillus lucensis. It used to be Aspergillus uh, uh, kawachi, and um, so now it's uh, called Aspergillus lucensis. Um, that's been you know internationally recognized. So we got all of that in front of the USDA and said, you know, it's a food product. Yeah. 
a traditional food product, been using it for centuries. And so they put it in the database for us. So it's in the database. It's still classified as hazardous. Um, <laughs> so when I bring it in from Japan, I, I uh, mentioned earlier, I hand carry it. Um, you have to register it in advance, 60 days in advance, and let them know and, you know, show up at the customs. You know, being someone who travels every month, you know, usually I have a pass for uh, answers and I'm through the uh, immigration. Well, I have to go through customs. And, um, and if I try to get it shipped, I just got my first shipment. This is after two years of trying, right? Because we just couldn't get it through. Uh, customs down in Miami and through UPS, and I mean, it was just impossible. So, why do they consider it hazardous? It's just the um, the category. It, it's a cat. It's it's a, it's a category that they put it under. Oh, okay. And I'm I'm sure that we'll be having discussions now that we're starting to hit the market, and, and because it's it's just a food product. It okay. Be, it should be classified as a food product. Um, but in the meantime, there's all these restrictions, which you know, from a competitive standpoint, isn't such a bad thing, right? Yeah. You know how to navigate <laughs> right, right. the. Right. And then we are, again, as far as I know, because so I, I know that they put it into the database for me about a year and a half ago. Anybody who was bringing in Aspergillus lucensis, if they were, wasn't doing it legally. And most likely they weren't using Aspergillus lucensis. They were probably using Orizane, which is available. Okay. Right. Um, that changes the dynamics of how you do that initial fermentation portion. And we're actually right now, I, I just got a uh, word from Tedco, you know, uh, Maryland Tedco, uh, that they've uh, approved a grant for me to develop a Koji incubator um, at a larger size. So right now I'm doing it in little, small experimental batches. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to put together a, more of a mid-industrial scale product uh, to do the Koji incubation. So the so Koji incubation takes two days. You're basically growing mold on barley. Okay. Um, and then you take that and you ferment it with yeast. And this yeast is also kind of a specialized yeast that I'm importing from Japan right now. But I understand that you can use different yeasts and still come up with a product. So a lot of fun possibilities uh, coming up on the horizon. You know, it'd be real fun to try out, say, a Belgian yeast. Or, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that you could do here. So that beginning process then is right. just completely different than so any that, other spirit. That's right? the part that's okay. different. So uh, you asked, uh, what's different? Well, everybody else um, either uses sugar, like molasses, right? Rum is made from molasses, so it's already sugar. Or they take their starch and they have to break it down with enzymes. The enzyme uh, into you know, into glucose, into sugars. Yeah. Well, they the, basically brew beer. Right. Like, well, so the, and the way they do that is malted barley, right? Yeah. Right? So, so the malted barley is what gives everybody the enzymes. We don't use malted barley. We use koji. And koji is what gives sh the shochu process the enzymes that we need okay. to break it down. So, um, so that's the very first part. And then you take that after two and a half days and you put it into a mash and you ferment. Our fermentation is two weeks. Oh, wow. Roughly so way weeks. longer than... Right, right, right. Most fermentation, 48 hours, yeah. right? Um, ours is two weeks. Now, the, and there's a little, somebody who knows a process is going to say, how do you keep a mash a lot, you know, to not rot for two weeks? And therein lies a secret of what we do, right? And so there, there's a um, process, there's a, a temperature control aspect to this, and there's a way that you create it so that it doesn't rot. And so you let it uh, ferment for two weeks. And so then, you don't use distiller's yeast? 
Uh-uh. Okay. Uh-uh. This is a very specific uh, strain of yeast. So um, part of what happens is you're sitting, it's fermenting for two weeks. There's a lot of things that are going on, right? There's a lot of alcohol in that. Um, how uh, Yeast will die after a certain yeah. level of alcohol. Yeast will die at a certain uh, um, acidity, right? Um, there's a citric acid component to what we're doing, and it's, rel- it's a high acid uh, mash. Yeast doesn't grow in high acid mash, so ours does. Um, you know, so there's things like that that's going on, and there's a lot of kind of fine tuning. So that's what we did in the experimental phase. Okay, and we're in the Fitzy Incubator, the Frederick Innovative Technology Center. Um, that's a great story. You know, I, I'm, I'm a Montgomery County guy. I live in Silver Spring, and uh, and and as I said earlier, I'm doing this uh, consulting with mostly biotechnology companies. So I know the biotech incubators in Maryland and around here pretty well. Yeah. Um, been doing, I've been in Maryland for 17, almost 18 years. And for most, most of that time, I've been doing biotech. So you would think that I'd be able to work well. So what happened was I went to them and said, I want to start a distillery. I need some lab space. I, you know, I know you have wet lab space. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh, because what, you were making alcohol? They or said, they just... distillery. How is that a biotech? I said, well, you know, I go to bio, and you go to the Tennessee booth, and you go to the Kentucky booth, and they'll tell you that distilling is a biotech. As a matter of fact, they'll both tell you that they have the oldest biotech in the United States, to which I always said you can't both be the oldest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, it is, right? It's uh, yeast and, and fermentation and distilling. and The you know, science. Right? It's all science, right? Once I started to learn about distilling, that was one of the things I was so shocked about because, I mean, there's a lot of that in brewing, too, mm-hmm. but – it seems to be amped up even further in distilling. There's a definite science of, part to it. With yep. the extra the extra stages of it and just like the temperature variations and all the right, right. the chemical reactions that happen at different times and the, not to mention the proofing, you know, uh, getting the right alcohol percentage yeah. and um yeah. So but I, I said this to them and I said, Well, I don't know. I don't think so. So I end, uh, ended up sitting at a cocktail party next to uh, Helen Profiter, who's the director of economic development in Frederick. I told her my woes, and she said, Taka, we have space. We love alcohol in Frederick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, actually, Kathy Callahan Brady is the CEO of the incubator. She had just gotten hired, this is about two years ago now, um, as the new incubator president. And Helen said, we just hired a new incubator president. You go talk to her. And I was signed up in within like i think two weeks awesome. and we we got in there so that was about two years ago uh and there we started with an edsp with an experimental distilled spirits permit we started experimenting trying to come up with the right process um came up with the prototype relatively quickly uh, i was surprised at how um rapidly we were able to do that but we came up with the prototype i took it back to japan to my friends at the japan brewing society they did a tasting and they said amano-san you have shochu Please sell it in America because we don't sell shows in America. And that's how we uh, got it kicked off. So we've only hit the market in – we just hit the market in February. So how um, – so you kind of alluded to that it is a more complex process mm-hmm. in the beginning and fairly protected right. process. Right. So how did you – did you just have to figure it out on your own? So, you know, Were it's you a, able to learn from someone? Right. So it's a traditional process. And I actually got a hold of the book. <laughs> There's okay. a textbook. It's all in Japanese. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I went to buy the book, this is how I got to know the Japan Brewing Society. They looked at me and said, who the hell are you? 
<laughs> so we don't just sell that to anybody. And so I had to go through my bona fides and let them know who I was, you know, what, what kind of, you know, I, I was working with distributors in Japan, you know, there's all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And they said, okay, we'll sell you one. <laughs> wow. And so I, I, I got the book. But again, it's still kind of the, it's, it's a textbook, right? It's an yeah. outline of what the you theory do. behind right. it. And, and none of the detail. And so we had to work out the detail. And that was, so, so I, you know, I'm a, I'm a cook, right? And I'm, I have some scientific background, but not for a long time. I, once I hit college, I went into the humanities track. And, but, you know, I'm a pretty creative kind of guy. And so I kind of combine those two things. I can, I can read instructions. And then, you know, something comes at me from left uh, field. I can catch it. I can, you know, uh, zig and zag. And so we came up with something. And we got, we got a product going. Now, my wife, she has a BS biology in, uh, from Carolina. You know, she's pre-med. And uh, so she's a scientist. She, she was working in brain tumor research for a while. Um, she came in and said, okay, Taka, what are you doing? Show me what you're doing. And she said, this is just like you're cooking. It's like, yeah, I mean, you cook stuff and it tastes good. And you say, so how did you do it? I said, I had no idea. <laughs> Can you do it again? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, well, that's not going to work for a distillery. You got to you got to set the process in place. She came in and cleaned up my process. My yield went up by twenty percent. <laughs> so that was pretty good. <laughs> Made you much more right, profitable. Right, right. <laughs> so what you're telling me is that um, there's next to no chance that someone like me would be able to just start making soju. Well, you know, or, ne never say it, never, but there there are a lot of uh It would be much more difficult there, for think. me to yeah. learn how to. And and getting um the right pieces parts, I think, is kind of the really hard part of it. Um there's a strong cultural right, yes, you know, so the whole cultural business aspect of uh -huh. it. Uh I used a lot of that at the beginning. I like mean, if I flew over to Japan and just knocked on the door of a distiller and say, Hey, can you teach me how to <laughs> make sochu? They, they wouldn't oblige. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it would probably take a while. <laughs> right. There's a lot of good shoshu to drink in Japan, though. <laughs> we have to go over sometime, do a junket. That, um, so that, 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 uh, allows for an extremely good competitive advantage for you. Yeah. To... Yeah. I mean, right now we're, we're the only ones, uh, again, making it here. We're the only ones on the market. We have hit the market now, you know, um, People tell me that they like my branding. I think that's part of what uh, is going on. You know, why does nobody, has nobody heard about chochu in America? Well, you look at the bottles and they all have this fancy Japanese writing on it, which is cool to me. I mean, I get the yeah. culture and, but. And if I saw it, I would probably have just, no idea what it is. I would right? just think sake. That, right. gets, that, right. that it probably is because I can't read what it is. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, uh, from a competitive research standpoint, I go in liquor stores and uh, what they have here is uh, soju. Soju is the Korean product. And people okay. ask me about this all the time. Is it soju? Um, well, soju is similar process. They use a similar biological process, but it's a different uh, strain from what I understand. And the main difference is that they use a different uh, um, starch. So soju traditionally, I understand, is made from rice. But a while ago, there was a famine in, North, in South Korea, and the Korean government made it illegal to make alcohol from rice because rice is you know, a staple yeah. food product. And so they have modified the process to make it from other starches, uh, typically sorghum. From what I understand. Okay. And it's a lot it's like um, here, there's a, um, what is it called? A M MD, MGP, MD, you know, the Indiana 
distillery that makes all, all of that it, makes everything right? and just ships it right ships the finished juice and then right, right. people just age it from there exactly or it's, slap a bottle slap a label on a bottle and sell it <laughs> exactly the exact same thing with soju in okay. uh, korea that there's one distillery that makes all the you know basic juice all the manufacturers buy that and they flavor it you know add okay. uh, sweeteners add coloring add uh, you know uh, different flavors so the jindos and that kind of thing, those are all bought from the one source and they bottle it that way. So it's a different kind of product. So is that um, is that in the same thing where there's no one in the U.S. making that either? So this is very interesting. Um, in the U.S., there's a couple of soju people who are starting to make traditional soju from rice, right? Because okay. there's, again, no yeah, restriction here, right? Yeah, we have plenty right? of it. Um, and like, I think there's one in New York that I've heard of. And in the United States, there's this funny law that's been in the book on the books for maybe 15 years, where in the state of New York and the state of California, they have local laws that allow sale of soju, imported soju, right? What, what they call real soju, right? So it has to come from Korea, um, under 24%. In, with beer and wine licenses. So there's a cultural aspect to this, right? So the um, Korean restaurants that only have beer and wine licenses, soju is part of the culture, uh, it's, and that, that was, I think that was the original argument. Okay. Um, and, you know, the other thing is it's, it's a 24% alcohol. It's not a 40% distilled spirit. Yeah. So it's a lower, you know, it's, it's, there's 22% ports out there, right, um, that are sold with uh, wine licenses, right? There's 18% beers that are sold with beer licenses. So the line is a little blurry, um, but this is all comes from the uh, post-prohibition, you know, um, the, the negotiations that went on with what the laws were going to be, and now there's distributors and retailers that are protective of their turf. Yeah. And it's all that kind of stuff. That you know, Some of the stuff that we're hearing in, North, in Maryland here. So I went to my uh, local delegate, um, uh, uh, David, Delegate David Moon, and talked to him about this. And he said, well, why couldn't we do this in Maryland and do it right? Because the New York and California laws are restricting to imported soju. And so the guy in New York that's making it locally, he can't sell his under that license. So the way it happened, they, uh, Delegate Moon um, wrote the legislation as a county legislation, but then they decided uh, somewhere that this should be a statewide thing, and it got punted to the Senate. So Senator Ron Young um, and uh, Senator William Smith um, sponsored it and uh, put it in the Senate. It passed the Senate unanimously. So, so there was a uh, law that said that soju and shochu could be sold with beer and wine licenses okay. um, under 24%. And uh, so, you know, any, right? Not just imported stuff. And um, it was supposed to be a promote local business kind of thing. And uh, it passed the Senate, and then it got to the House, and in committee, in the middle of the night, from what I understand, Diageo came in and killed it. <laughs> um, but so, you know, um, I, I think we'll try again. Uh, I think there's some good reasons to do this. And, you know, here's the thing, right? We're, we're trying to convert. So this is made with barley. I'd love to do it with Maryland barley. I can't right now because nobody in Maryland makes pearled barley. All okay. barley in Maryland, I've been told, is either seed, chicken feed, or malted. 
right? And um, what I use is pearled. It's the stuff that you put in soup. Uh, What's the difference? So pearl bar, it's it's polished. It, uh, so it's, like putting milled in a and tumbler, polished. Kind right? Of? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Right. And so it's not a complicated thing. It's just that there's nobody doing yeah. it. Yeah. And it's chicken and the egg. Right. It, there's no demand, so they're not doing it. Yeah. I mean, it's only been recently that um, you could even buy that breweries were able to buy malted, malted barley. barley. Right. 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 So I think this this will change. You know, there's discussions I think uh, to be had, and you know, farmers to work with, and but right now I'm importing it. I mean, I mean, bringing it in from California. Okay. These guys in California that I buy it from, they actually export it to Japan, and a lot of Japanese uh, barley shochu is made with right their stuff. There. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's not a lot of barley in Japan. <laughs> and you can get it much cheaper. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So um, that, that's what's going on with that right now. Yeah. So is that the main um, use of it? or Oh, you said soup. It's using well, soup also? Well, you know, or? it's the stuff that you buy uh, that it's pearl barley. It's okay. the, It's a little round things that show up in barley soup <laughs> okay so the so right now you're working out of um the tech incubator, the incubator. yep do you, i mean i assume at some point you plan on opening right. your own distillery right so so it's a two-step thing now um the truth is you know i i was pretty sure that it was a good product but i didn't know if it would sell in the united states yeah and there was some reason why it wasn't selling out nobody knew about it right so i had to get it in front of you know my my audience uh, so I had to make some. So we did it small scale on an experimental basis. And How large is your still? I have two five-gallon stills. <laughs> <laughs> These are coffee pots. Yeah. yeah. So this is painstakingly yes, made. Yes, it is. This is all <laughs> handcrafted. <laughs> it really is. Um, but uh, we now have a plan in place um, that is getting kicked off with by this TEDCO uh, um, grant to expand it to about five times my current capacity, so 50 gallons still. Still still a tiny still, yeah. but a 50-gallon still, you know, can make a little bit more juice. Is that, I mean, that's still almost like a tabletop. No, mm, not, not a quite, table. Not I, I think that was probably around the size of what 10th Ward right. had made, they're, right? They're smaller still as a 50. Yeah, yep. okay. Yeah, exactly. So we'll go there. That will get me into the black. Won't make me very much money, but it'll yeah. get me into the black, right? Um, and then the next stage will be to go to the real uh, distillery. Yeah. Once you're positive that right, Americans right. do actually, right? W- so I, I can I can uh, address some you know significant markets, uh, you know individual markets with yeah. fifty gallons still. Because um, I would assume right now a large portion of what you have to do is just education. Yeah, like yeah. teaching people what it is. Although like, education kind of looks like this. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's not a hard education, right. but it's just the you. Um, Getting that first right. um, experience to it that people may not necessarily just decide they w- want to, right. like walking through a store and see it. Yeah. They're not yeah. necessarily just going to grab it. Like right. there's still a large portion of like getting people to know what it is. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm an old sales guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> kind of what I do. Uh, you know, shoe leather sales is what where I come from. Uh, I'm finding that that part is not. It's pretty easy and it's a lot of fun. Uh, now, you think about this. I've gotten myself into business where I see a lot of bars and restaurants. And, you know, the truth is, high end Japanese restaurants, I think there's a lot of sushi in my future here. Yeah. <laughs> They're uh, much worse places to uh-huh, have uh-huh. to hang out at. But uh, what I'm finding is that I 
typically I'll spend an hour or two in an area of restaurants and I'll walk into restaurants and bars and talk to bar managers and you know if the owner's there that's great um, but typically the reaction is you know we'd like to take this on we have to talk you know we have to look at budgets we have to talk to the owner yeah uh, but really almost nobody says no to this because it's different it's new yeah and, and it's good right so so are you in um, liquor stores also? Or yeah, just so, so I, I, I told you, I, we just it, um, entered the market in February, but uh, we are now in six liquor stores and, eight, no, nine restaurants now, um, mostly in the Frederick area, but we're starting to branch out. Uh, we're in four liquor stores in Frederick and uh, uh, one in Abingdon, um, one in uh, uh, you know, Old Line in uh, Beltsville, uh, seven restaurants in the Frederick area. Volt was my first customer. Oh, right? cool. Yeah, Brian, uh, Brian Voltaggio came over to the distillery, uh, as it were, and did a tasting. Same reaction, right? Everybody expects it to be moonshine. He's like, wow, you know, that's actually yeah, good. Yeah, it's not, right? I mean, it's and not the flavor I was expecting at all. So we just did a bar takeover at Volt with uh, us and McClintock, actually. Yeah, I saw the, yeah, I, I, yeah. I wanted to go to that. I can't remember. What, I was doing something that yeah. evening. I couldn't we, we, go. It was packed. It was great. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, you know, we're in a, a bunch of restaurants here. You know, a Rose House Pub, um, Brewer's Alley, Cafe Nola, Firestone, uh, JoJo's Tasting Room. You know, uh, somebody, uh, shout out, you know, somebody, everybody's telling me I have to go to Hooch and Banter. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're one of the, they're definitely one of the downtown places known for cocktails. Right, but. right, right. But so it's kind of like that. And then I'm in uh, Daikaya downtown, down in D.C., right? So they're kind of the Japanese-owned, cool ramen, izakaya uh, play. So they, they actually called me. They heard about me from somewhere and called me up and wanted me to come down. So we did a taste thing, and now we're in their bar. Oh, that's awesome. I have to go check them out, um, see what, uh, how they're doing. Uh, just got into Jinya, which is the ramen place in Pike and Rose in Rockville. And that, that's my first uh, formal foray into the Montgomery County DLC. So. Well, that's, I, from what I understand, once you get into there, yeah. it, it can it gets a little easier. So I got too, into so the system. And yeah. uh, uh, Council Member Craig Rice was very instrumental in helping me uh, navigate those waters with the DLC. And so we were able to get in just just this week successfully. Are you going around and doing tastings at stores at all? Yeah, yet, or? yeah. Tastings go really well. Um, I've, done, I've done several tastings now at uh, mostly at liquor stores. Um, so yeah, we're looking to do a bunch of those between now and Christmas. Where um, where can people go to keep up to date to? know where those tastings may be taking yeah, place. Yeah, so um, I uh, typically post information in events both on my website and on Facebook. Okay. So our website is newamericanspirits.com. That's spirits, plural, with an S. Um, so that that's probably the best place. You know, if you sign up for my emails, we'll uh, be sending out updates uh, for that. Now, will there be – so right now you have the – uh, you correct me a little bit on the oh my. Is it umai. 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 Yep. Umai. It, will there be additional versions? Yeah. Or is yeah. So, um, of course, there will. We we went with smooth for the first uh -huh. round, and and that it's benchmarked against the best selling, uh, most popular shochu in Japan. 
Uh, it's a barley shochu called Ichiko. And uh, I'm very happy with how ours has come out um, compared to what they're doing. But they, they, they sell about $500 million of uh, Ichiko a year in Japan. That's um, probably a good baseline to Right, go for. right, right. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny, right? I, in the biotech area, I used to tell people that the Japanese market is 10% of the global market. If you flip that around, if it's $500 million, that means that we're looking at a $5 billion market. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but uh, so... You know, um, that's what we did first. But next, there's two ways that I'm going to go with this. Really, three. Um, first of all, there is a bolder uh, palate, bolder um, flavored version that I want to come out with. That's what I drink when I'm in Japan, right? So we'll come out with something like that. Um, and the fun thing that we'll do is, so you had the Chuhai, right? They sell this in cans in Japan. You can oh. buy it in vending machines. And at 7-Eleven. Wow. <laughs> well, so can chew high is a thing. And I think very shortly here we'll come out with the can chew high product. And uh, canned spirits, you know, is a yeah, that's a business rapidly, right now, yeah. right? Right. So that, that, yeah, that's wine in cans now, spirits right. in cans. Right. Exactly. So so that that will be something else. And then casking it is going to be a lot of fun. So in Japan, if you cask. Shochu. So, you know, I mean, if you think about it, it's barley. It's a different uh, sugarizing agent, but otherwise it's just distilled. So it's just like whiskey. Yeah. If you cask it in charred oak barrels, it'll turn into whiskey. Right? Um, but in Japan, shochu can't be called shochu if it's darker than a certain faint tint of uh, brown. Okay. I don't have that restriction. I can yeah. call whatever I want, right? Uh, until we decide otherwise. Yeah. But that's a discussion between me and the TTV, I think. Yeah. So um, there's lots of things that we can do. So my wife is of Irish origin, right? Her dad was an Irish cop from the Bronx. Um, and there's this funny thing, we probably don't have time for it, but uh, there's this little thing between Irish and Japanese that we've found has been a recurrent theme throughout our lives. So. A Jameson cast shochu, I think, sounds like a really fun idea. <laughs> yeah, like it, so you mean just get a second, use a right, second I, use barrel right, from right, Jameson? Yeah, right, that'd right, be cool. right, or something like that. So there, there's a lot of fun ideas that we can start going down. So the, um, how far away do you think you are from the end game of having your own distillery? And like, do you plan on just going? like Sagamore we're, we're, we're big when you open? No, we're or? pretty much ready to go. I mean, it's a matter of financing yeah. at this point. But I think as a product, we have a solid product and yeah, a solid I'm, market. And I would agree. Right? Um, and it's a new category, right? I, I've got distributors, the big distributors, uh, talking to me about working together because it doesn't interfere with their current portfolio, yeah. right? Yeah, it's how often there's there just a completely new... Right product on right. instead of just like a variation of something else exactly like, exactly so and you know and by the way right this is what i do bridging the japanese and u.s cultures yeah. who else is going to be mr shochu right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it works out quite well right. well i want i i definitely want to thank you so much because as i told you before that I, I knew absolutely nothing about shochu and is definitely interesting yeah um yeah. thank you and uh, I definitely enjoyed the product. I will have to find some of that. So, Great. so which stores in Frederick is right. available? So close to here is uh, Yield Spirit. Okay, that, that's where I was right. going to guess that they um, probably had it. Riverside, uh, Westview, or I guess they're called Wine Districts now. Okay. Right? And uh, Orion in Urbana. Okay. Yep. 
So actually, you said oh, wait, those were used ones. We need unused ones. Um, you said you were a craft beer guy, also. Yeah. So I can ask you the typical um, question I ask everyone: What is your favorite, or even somewhere in your top five right, right now of Maryland craft beers? So I'm a big fan of Seven Locks, and uh, it's they near funny. you. They're yep. they're in Rockville, um, and uh, thank you. And they're uh, Redland Lager. Now I'm not a lager. I don't drink lagers. <laughs> I'm usually more of a Belgian barley wine kind of guy. Okay, but so you go big. <laughs> yeah, those are my. You know, I, I I wasn't a beer drinker for a long time, and my wife hooked me up with a. Uh, Midas from Dogfish Head. Okay. Said, sure, you gotta try this. I, yeah. I know you don't drink beer, but you gotta try this. I said, that's not a beer. <laughs> so see, she said, yeah. um, and that's how I got back into beers. So and, you know, I tend trend that way. But Seven Locks' Redland Lager is a great drinking beer, and 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 the truth is, it's a good poker beer because you know, fifteen percent alcohol beers are not good. Don't yeah, mix well with poker. <laughs> unless you're, unless you're, uh, your goal is to uh, lose. Right, right. <laughs> Finance the game, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we also like to end every episode with a shot of a whiskey that I made with McClintock. Right. Where it's a, it's a single malt whiskey. Um, it has 25% chocolate malt. Mm-hmm. And it was vapor infused with UK Goldings and Meridian Hops. Uh, seven pounds of it. Wow. So right now it's um, aging in a barrel uh-huh. at McClintock. It'll be ready and whenever it tastes ready. Right, right. Uh, this was aged for about a month in a two-liter barrel. Okay. So this is a poor representation of what it'll be like. Right, and right, right. So hopefully you enjoy. Sure. Cheers. And thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.